wild for me to think about how being rebellious, being punk rock, is the opposite of normal in culture. So today, to be the opposite of normal in culture, you should fall in love, get married, have a bunch of kids, believe in God, be an entrepreneur and start your own business instead of being an intern to a super woke corporate CEO out of New York City or San Francisco. Believe in such thing as objective truth. Eat real food, not processed or lab-grown crap. Spend time off of your screens and playing outside and be naturally skeptical of media and government institutions. Wild how that happened. All right, people, welcome back to the show. It's time for another brand new episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew for America, and uh, I wanted to start the show today with that clip uh, because I don't know if you guys know this, but I occasionally get some haters on my social media accounts telling me that I'm not punk rock and I shouldn't be claiming punk rock and blah, blah, blah. The punk rock community hates you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know what, dude? I know a lot of people in the punk rock community that do not hate me. And I lived it, people. I I grinded it out in clubs for years and years and years playing punk rock music all over the southwestern United States. So to tell me that I don't know what punk rock is, or I don't embody it, you're, you have a, a, an old, outdated version in your mind of what punk rock is. Yeah, it was a lefty, you know, communist, socialist, I guess, for lack of better words, movement. You know, back with the dead Kennedys, Nazi punks, fuck off, all that shit, right? It used to be dangerous to be a punk rocker used to be a rebel thumbing your nose at the man at the system right now punk rockers are raging for the machine (laughs) when you find yourself on the side of the orthodoxy when you find yourself on the side of the big club and the government i think mark twain once said it's time to pause and reflect And in the spirit of pausing and reflecting, I would like to start the show today by urging all of you, my fellow punk rockers out there, to reevaluate the movement known as punk rock. Because I'm here to tell you, some shit has changed. And like this young lady said at the beginning of the show intro today, to be the rebellious one, to go against the status quo, to go against what's normal and what everybody else is doing is to bring back old traditional values. (laughs) Not being promiscuous, raising families, being masculine and feminine, not blurring the line, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. And again, this guy, this one specific guy, just continues to troll my TikTok. And I finally had to block him because I just, I tried to engage him in logical debate. Sure enough that it wasn't going to happen because nobody does that anymore. Nobody engages in logical debate. It's all emotion and propaganda. It's all brainwashing. People act completely on the programming these days. They don't even have original independent thoughts. They're fucking NPCs. A lot of you guys, not you guys listening to the show, but a lot of people in general are so far gone, man. They're so lost. They don't even know what the fuck they're talking about anymore. People aren't even willing or able to have conversations anymore. It's sad, man. It is a sad, sad reality. The, the hive mind creation, one step closer uh, merging us with machines taking our original thoughts and actions and freedoms away from us and, you know, implementing 
this new programmed, controlled, obedient, slave mind shit servitude world. Everybody is a lemming, walking around, going through the motions under the umbrella of the control of the big club, the big world controllers. That's where we are. That's the status quo now. It's people, the vast majority of people, believing everything their government tells them. Still, after everything we've seen throughout the course of the past 20, 30 years, and even before that, I mean, I feel like I am a, a, a sole automaton walking around this world. Like I feel like I time-traveled sometimes. I feel like I walk through my day and I'm just walking around my city observing people and you know guessing what their next action is going to be before they even make it. I feel like Neo walking through the city with, you know, Morpheus in my ear telling me that the matrix is a system. And some of these people are so hopelessly inert, so blinded that They'll fight to protect that system. They'll fight to protect the normalcy. They will fight to protect the lie that they've been told about who they are. And I don't know if it's a genetic mutation for some of us few that have the balls and the capacity to think deeper and look behind the curtain and pull back the veil, right? Why is it so frightening for a lot of people to do that? Why is having just a logical, mature, adult conversation with people so fucking hard for a lot of these people these days? It's unbelievable. So, I don't know. Today, I just I wanted to start the show with that just to give you guys an idea. Of, you know, what is punk rock today? <laughs> punk rock's a different thing than, you know, 30 years ago, people. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. And if you don't believe that, then <laughs> you probably need to reevaluate. <laughs> Punk rock has changed, people. I'm sorry. <laughs> Some shit has changed. You better update your definition with the times. Um today I'm going to jump all over the place. I'm just going to I'm going to kind of do the news and I'm going to play some clips for you. Uh, continuing on previous themes like I often uh, do. I found a guy named Arthur Kwan Lee. I like his content. Uh, I've seen him on a few pods out there uh, with some very keen insights. And, um, you know, just some stuff to think about. Some uh, commenting on the current spirit of the times, the status quo that, that uh, we're living in. Take a listen. The world you once knew no longer exists and there is no going back. We live in a post-gender society totally based on the hypergamy of outward appearance where substance and depth only exist as a shadow cast by a postmodern victory. This is why social classism has replaced the once traditional yearning for community, shifting our gaze to treating others under the lens of upgradability instead of romanticism. This is why the vast majority of people get saddest confused with actual happiness and why a whopping 85% of Gen Z do not want to get married. Even for the transitory generation before them, the millennials, for the 40% who did choose to marry and the half of those in that very percentage who haven't divorced, they must live inside a time capsule and alienate themselves from the inevitable social changes that only continues to unfold. Even the conservative types who acknowledge the paradigm shift that desire to prolong the good old days have to go off the grid for the fantasy. A lot of you will hate me for saying this, but the world your parents live in that the GOP so adamantly defends and controls you with is dead. Our young people are in a purposeless society, and calling others who recognize reality for what it is doomers is just another form of denial and coping. It's not like we like the data at hand, but can we just face the fucking music already? In this day and age, a girl has over 25 bodies under her belt before she can legally buy a drink. The reality is that for those of us today who still care about preserving all that is good and protecting the innocent, we have to adapt to the changing times without falling in line. Encouraging others to just keep up with the Joneses and hope things will work out in a system dependent on divorce, bipartisan politics, and the denial of genetic realism is not going to change anything. Only time will tell which direction our culture will veer towards. But until then, get fit, be adaptive, and stop living in the past. I mean, yeah, people, stop living in the fucking past. If you call yourself a punk rocker today, and you still think punk rock is the same exact thing that it was 
20, 30 years ago? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know what you're doing, dude. I don't know what you're looking at. I don't see what you're seeing. I see uh, Demolition Man the movie come to life. I see Idiocracy come to life. I see <laughs> Terminator and The Matrix coming to life. Does art imitate life, or is it life that imitates art? You guys have heard me say that 100 years ago on this show. The old famous Andy Warhol quote, right? The magicians in Hollywood, I've been over that, right? What do they really know that they're not telling us? Are they pulling the strings and controlling the changes in society in hopes of getting the human race to this desired place? This steering and, um, you know, like the Adjustment Bureau movie, you know, where they just kind of change the environment here, they change this there. And if you see uh, one of the people you're not supposed to see, and, you know, they probably got their eye on you. You know, V for Vendetta, Come to Life, <laughs> Wag the Dog, all these movies, Network, that I always talk about, They Live, right? The list goes on and on and on. Were the movies and the media and the TV priming you, preparing you, brainwashing you, ever since... The creation of the television set back in the 50s, I think it was. Isn't it funny how the advances in technology, whether we like it or not, change us? The changes in technology end up changing us. So as technology continues to evolve and you know, real human emotion and feelings get harnessed and directed in very specific ways. You know, Orwell said, uh, you know, that famous quote on his deathbed, you know, the only, you know, they're going to abolish the orgasm. And the only excitement people will feel is anxiety, fear, rage, uh, self-abasement, right? You know, Rudolf Steiner talking about the vaccine that would remove the soul and the spirit of man uh, remove the ability for mankind to experience spiritual life. You know, he wrote that a hundred years ago, people. And people like me continue to bring you guys this information. We're not making it up, people. We found it through our research and discovery. And now we're all podcasting, trying to tell you the fucking reality of your world. I never in a million years would have thought, as a young child growing up in this world, in this country, that one day I'd be sitting in this chair behind this microphone, pleading with you to fucking get it and figure it out and understand and still with every passing day I am unfulfilled I am unamazed <laughs> I am not excited about the future I'm optimistic in internally like my mental state on the topic is great but I don't know, man. It's it's starting to look even darker and bleaker and worse and worse and worse with every passing day. Here, take another uh, listen to a different clip from Mr. Arthur Kwan Lee. Here we go. 
Bottom line, all of human civilization is a spiritual war between Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. You can be an atheist blinded by the privileges of modern materialism, and you will fail at denying the sentiment from a purely historical lens. And I hate to be the disruptor of all this inclusive and kumbaya energy, but this postmodern idea of pantheism, in other words, all religions can live in harmony because they all worship the same God, is a Judaic strategy. Protestants and liberals have fallen for it, which is at the core of so many of our societal dysfunctions today. These texts have fundamentally different worldviews, and there is only one road to actual world peace. We win, and you lose. <laughs> but victory is only assured by proactive means. The cowardice of the Christian men in my generation today need to learn to love the taste of blood. Do you see this cross? It's the Jerusalem cross, the symbol of the crusader. In other words, the Holy Land does not belong to the Muslims or the Jews. It belongs to Christ. Our enemies must be confronted head on, and we must be willing to die at any moment, because God wills it. Today, this must be emulated between all denominations. You're either a crusader or you're not. You either look upon the degenerate polarization as a blessing and opportunity of clarity for battle, or you aloofly hold your hands asking, can't we all just get along? Lines are being drawn so swords can be unsheathed because when the Lord is your shepherd, every day is a good day to die. Okay, so now that's controversial. Uh, you know, he's clearly a Christian and I don't know if I 100% agree with everything that he just said right there, but it is something to think about, people. For those of us that can't see past their religious beliefs and are so locked in, you know, I, I, I preach traditional values and I, uh, you know, I, I am on the side of human beings being self-sufficient and being able to um, be strong and not controlled and not deceived and all that shit. Um, you know, as much as I don't, you know, agree with the concept or the, with the contention that the Holy Land isn't for Islam or for the Jews. It's for Christians. I don't know if I believe that completely. But what I do believe in is that you better become a crusader again. You better fight against moral degeneracy. We better fight for what we believe in at some point. Or else, you know, do we deserve freedom and liberty? I've said this so many times, I keep coming back to this. Because as much as I want to believe in the divine human spirit, I mean, a lot of people would make the argument that Satan is winning. Regardless of your religious beliefs, evil is winning. And if you think the only good in the world can be done through your religious lens, then we're already fucked, people. I mean, I'm not opposed to the idea of pantheism. I'm not opposed to the idea of multiple gods and all of us coming together and living as one. But this guy's right. A lot of different people and groups of people have a lot of very fundamentally different worldviews. And if your attitude is that the only way we can win is if we destroy the other, expect war, people. Expect perpetual war. Expect fighting and dying uh, forever. And the reason why you should expect it is because everybody looks outside of them. Nobody looks inside. And I've said it a million times. The way out is through. And the way out is in. <laughs> you, gotta, you got to go to war with yourself. And you have to find some type of mental balance between your positive and negative emotions. You have to find whatever it is in your routine, in your day-to-day, -day, in your goals, whatever, that brings you happiness and joy. And if, if chasing status and money does that for you, awesome. If chasing... Love and relationships does that for you? Perfect. If diving into re your religion does that? Awesome. But we got to get away from this idea. And this is just my opinion. We got to get away from this idea that the problems in the world are caused by everybody else and that you don't have any part in the problems in this world. Each and every one of us are guilty of something. Whether you want to admit that to yourself or not. 
And regardless of what the school or the screens or the teachers or the clergy or your parents, whatever, have told you. If you haven't arrived at your beliefs by your own thinking and by your own free will, then someone else is doing the thinking and the choosing and the deciding for you. You are controlled. You are brainwashed, mind control, manipulated. Period. There's no getting away from that, people. So do you want to be in control of your destiny? Or are we all going to just stay cowards and take up arms and fight each other because we can't get right with ourselves? Because that's what it seems the history of the human race has been. And this is why I always come back when I think about this stuff to this ancient alien theory belief that maybe we are a slave race created by an intelligent designer uh, that, you know, we're seated on this planet in the uh, remote past to whatever, mine gold for the ancients or whatever the goal was, whatever our purpose is, whatever the point is for our being here in this reality, in this realm, right? I, I, I you know, you guys know I always kind of take the position of George Carlin. I kind of like to observe and report. I look at uh, the human race uh, with a combination of pity and wonder. You know, human behavior is, <laughs> I mean, it is so controlled and so um, predictable. <laughs> and I, I just want people to start thinking about this stuff. Like, you know, dare to be different. Dare to think deeper and to go beyond what you think you know about anything. You'd be surprised how much better your life will get. And maybe if you're if you already feel like your life is awesome and you don't have any problems and you're happy with your your status quo with your situation, then good for you. But I have a hard time believing that the majority of people feel that way because of all the fucking antidepressants, anti-anxiety, mood stabilizers, you know, younger people get becoming suicidal and being forced to grow up much, much quicker and not develop the skills that they need to be self-sufficient, fully functional adults in the real world. All that is going away. The strength of mankind is slowly getting eroded. Um, it's just fucking sad to me that more people aren't waking up to this stuff. And, you know, I know life is short. You know, why dive in, right? But, you know, this this woke agenda, the feminism, the communist socialist tactics, the ideological subversion, the history of these things occurring in other countries in our past I've said it before, now these things are happening yet again in the United States because we do not learn from history. We are condemned to repeat it. And here, take another listen to Mr. Arthur Kwan Lee with another uh, little clip of some interesting insights. Take a listen. People deserve a place to live and a future. Gullible white Protestant Bible belters will plug into conservative ink and be convinced to abandon their own families by the Zionist funding that hates them. Only to spend their tax dollars to annually bring illegal immigrants to storm our institutions and turn our progeny into the useful idiotic communist homosexuals that we see today. Leaving behind only suffering, death, poverty, and a world raped of its resources, alienated from the cross. Whenever any of us point out the paper trail funding behind organizations dedicated to causing societal destabilization in the West, we're immediately smeared as anti-Semitic Nazis and find ourselves in a situation where the judge and perpetrator are one and the same. It is the greatest showcase of being a protected class when you can exercise both the power of being the aggressor and the power of being the victim, utilizing the sword of critical theory and the shield of political correctness. Because if you want to know who controls you, look at who you're not allowed to criticize. In other words, lying to your face about crimes against Jews and blaming white people. And you Trump tar boomers love eating that shit up, don't you? So while hundreds of thousands of unreported white murders continue along the southern border. Let's continue to keep sending our own children off to war in the Middle East with zero benefit, pretending there is no manipulation or agenda by the fully controlled Zionist media getting orally asphyxiated by the establishment right.
But until the next one, my boys, shalom. Okay, so just having that conversation would be construed as anti-Semitic, right? And again, I don't agree with everything this guy says, but these are the arguments. These are the things that many, many people are talking about out there. I feel like they're all partially right and they're all partially wrong. Um, this guy sees things through religious lenses, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I, I just wanted to play these clips because, you know, there are people like me out there that are more open-minded um, about the religious thing. Um, I, you know, I don't know if the Jewish people really are planning on taking over the world. I know that is a big, big, big topic of conversation uh, out there now with everything that's going on in Palestine and Gaza and... Um, you know, everywhere over there, Ukraine, yada, yada, right? But, you know, all I'm asking you guys to listen to from these clips is don't don't pay so much attention to what he's saying about the religious division. Pay attention to what he's saying about the outcomes of those in control. I would make the argument that the divide and conquer agenda, the the pitting races against each other, pitting men and women against each other, pitting different religions against each other is all part of the plan. And so that's why you got to be wiser than that. You have to rise above that level of conversation. You have to get to a higher frequency and resonate there above the norm, above the sheep, above the status quo. Easier said than done, I know. But you're going to have to dive into some stuff that you probably never thought you were going to dive into. And like I said, I never in my never in a million years thought I'd be uh, motivated to do this podcast. But the way that my life has gone and the way that the world has gone in my lifetime has shown me the very real world. And again, maybe I'm right about that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you guys agree with me. Maybe you don't. But we got to do something, and I really hope we do. And before you decide to do something, make sure that you have gone to war with yourself. Make sure that you are mentally prepared. Make sure that you have started your quest. Because if you haven't, and you are not mentally prepared, and you are not of sound right thinking and you decide to go out and become a martyr for your religion or for your country you decide to go give your life for what you believe in before you do that make sure that's what you really believe in and don't let anybody tell you that this is this and this is that and because of that you need to go do this and that don't let people tell you what to think feel and believe because some of these wolves in sheep's clothing in the world will walk your fucking happy ass right off the cliff to your inevitable end. And then what are you going to do? You're going to be in the afterlife? You're going to be in the next realm? Looking at the situation, saying to yourself, Wow, I sure wish I would have thought that through before I made those choices. And maybe if reincarnation is really a thing, maybe I'll get another chance to move from the spiritual realm to the physical once again. And maybe this time around, you'll find a way to do it right. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, people, welcome back to the show. Um, I'm going to start talking about something I talked about way back in the day, my Divide and Conquer episode. I think it was episode 10. Uh, when I was talking about men and women in our military, um, if the day ever came where the government said to the military, we have to go commit violence against American citizens for whatever reason. I said in that episode way back when that you active duty military and National Guard reservists, uh, you know, everybody, uh, you had better lay down your weapons in solidarity with the people. Because just because you're a government employee and just because Uncle Sam pays your bills for you, that doesn't mean doing their bidding like a hired mercenary henchman is the morally correct thing to do. If I, and you, know, and you know what, I can speak on this because I served in the military on active duty. And if my commanders came to me and said, we have to go do an operation against American people, I'd tell them to take that order and shove it straight up their fucking ass. I quit. Here's my rank badge. Here's my gun. I'm out. You want to court martial me? You want to go send me to see the old man? Fine. But I am not compromise, compromising my principles to do the bidding of the big club world bankers, financiers, elite aristocrats that are trying to take over the world and have no problem destroying human life as a means to their ends. And for all you people that think the January 6th situation, which I, I suppose you could construe that if you wanted to into a small... I mean, very, very small example of how bad things could have gotten or could get in the future. I'm going to take you back in time right now. And I'm going to play a clip from 1932. And I don't know if a lot of you guys know this. I think this was the Hoover administration. And, uh, General MacArthur and Dwight D. Eisenhower were still military men at the time. And they were involved in this. I don't know if you guys know this. 1932, um, pissed off veterans stormed and surrounded the capital of the United States and were met with military force. Veterans being attacked by active duty military. You don't think it's ever happened in the past? Take a listen to this, and then I'm going to uh, extrapolate, I'm going to expound on this idea, and I'm going to bring it current uh, for you to think about the possible outcomes of the future of this year, 2024, and the future moving forward, going beyond. Let's start here. Take a listen to this. In 1932, Washington was under siege. The capital was surrounded by over 10,000 unemployed veterans of World War I from all over the country. Their only assets were the bonus certificates they'd been given after the war, which promised a cash bonus sometime in the future. They needed it now. At the end of May 1932, nearly 10,000 bonus marchers occupied the nation's capital, and tens of thousands more were on their way. 
Parson to get my bonus, and I'm going to wait until I get it if I have to wait till 1945. What brought you to Washington? Why, to beat the undertaker, spend the money before the undertaker gets it. I don't know who's made this country worth living in. It's just you fellas. Look, makes me so damn mad a whole lot of people speak of you as tramps. By God, they didn't speak of you as tramps in 1917 and 18. No. <laughs> Take it from me. This is the greatest demonstration of Americanism we've ever had. Pure Americanism. President Hoover was left to deal with the veterans when the Senate rejected their demands. The marchers had stayed, camped out in central Washington. On July 16th, the last day Congress was in session, Washington was on edge. Thousands of angry veterans surrounded the Capitol. Near midnight, the 72nd Congress adjourned. Congressmen left through back doors and underground tunnels to avoid confrontations. The situation had come to a head. The president ordered the evacuation of the veterans from downtown Washington. Now you bring in the troops. When MacArthur moved his troops to the affected area, he knew exactly what he was going to do. And he adorned himself in his dress uniform along with his major aide, Dwight D. Eisenhower. The force stepped off at 4.30 p.m. More than 200 cavalrymen spread out across Constitution and Pennsylvania Avenues. Behind them came 400 infantrymen, followed up by tanks and armored vehicles. The cavalrymen, one of whom is Major Patton, have got their sabers out. The soldiers donned gas masks and without warning began hurling gas grenades at the veterans. The troops advanced, some jabbing with bayonets. It's war, the greatest concentration of fighting troops in Washington since 1865. I knew something was going to happen, that they might be attacked. And uh, I had a press card so I passed the police lines, and then I saw the soldiers advancing into the camp. And when confronted with this, the men all stood there and said, Stand firm as long as you can. And uh, they started throwing tear gas. Eyewitness testimony, people. Tear gas was just burning my face. I was trailing behind my dad, and he kept hollering, Come on, boy, come on, boy. Marchers were choking from the gas, just like the battlefields in France. And so they're being forced out of their shacks by smoke bombs and tear gas, hurled by the troops who have been called out by the President of the United States. I've never seen anything like it. They systematically went down the line, burned up all the tents and all the possessions of the people there. I was thinking of Herbert Hoover when this happened because his election was in three months. I thought this would be, uh, would be the finish of Hoover. The orders of the president must be obeyed, and the roaring flames sound the death knell to the fantastic bonus armor. In the shadow of the beautiful dome of the capital of the United States of America. The veterans did not believe the country for which they had fought would ignore the plight into which the Depression had placed them. Many did not believe that United States troops would take the field against them. By early evening, most of the marchers had been driven across a drawbridge that led to their main camp. The president does not want MacArthur to cross the bridge. And MacArthur disregards the order. Eisenhower later says that he saw this happen. MacArthur says, I cannot bother with pieces of paper doing a military operation. And so he crosses the bridge. All through the camp were scenes of panic. My dad says, let's get the hell out of here. The soldiers are going to kill us. Then troops began to set fire to their wooden shacks. One reporter wrote, the blaze was so big it lit the whole sky. A nightmare come to life. The president 
looked out a window of the White House in the direction of the fire, then retired for the night. And the roaring flames sound the death knell to the fantastic bonus army that ends so disastrously in the shadow of the capital of the United States of America. The morning after the bonus route, public sentiment took a dramatic turn against Herbert Hoover. If the expulsion needed a human face, it came in the person of Joe Angelo, whose story was published across the nation. Joe Angelo gets the Distinguished Service Cross for saving Patton's life on the battlefield. The next morning, Angelo comes to the uh, burnt-out field to see Patton. And Patton says, take this man away, I don't want to see this man. The BEF was broken up. The men returned to some city or other, there to roam the streets, hopelessly seeking work or to shuffle in bread lines. There they remain, crying examples not of the need for the bonus, but of the need for a new American system. All right, so there you go, people. Proof. Evidence. Receipts. Proving and pointing to the fact, the reality, that your government's military can, will, and has already in the past been tasked with orders to attack not only American citizens, but veterans that they once fought side by side with against enemies of the United States. And that clip uh, was sent to me by one of my followers, uh, Mr. Ken Edwards. And that was from Good Luck America on YouTube. <laughs> Good Luck America. I think I'm probably going to subscribe to that page. But what's my point? Why am I bringing this up? Here's why. Because it, it all ties together. The most punk rock thing you can do is become self-sufficient and become skeptical of authority. If you give your undying ultimate devotion to your government, <laughs> it's time to pause and reflect. Why? Do you exalt these rich, elitist pieces of shit that do not give a fuck about you and would squash you like a bug if it served their agenda without a second thought? And you love and respect and admire and follow and obey these people? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? I find that to be the ultimate in immoral behavior and conduct. If you took the oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and after taking that oath, you one day are told by your superiors to go attack fellow countrymen, and you do so, there's a special place in hell for you, in my humble opinion. That is the ultimate betrayal. You deserve to be put to death for that, in my opinion. No court of law, no red tape, immediate firing, firing squad, immediate for pulling some shit like that. And I, you know, I'm not asking you guys to agree with me, but that's just my humble opinion. It makes me sick to my stomach to think that people that had the moral, <laughs> you know, fabric and served, made the decision to serve their country and support and defend the Constitution. And what does that mean? That means support and defend the freedom and liberty and the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for all people, regardless of race, color, creed, sexual orientation, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. 
What's wrong with that? (laughs) And what kind of country and world are you going to live in if that Constitution and those Bill of Rights go away? And that's exactly what's happening. You know, and this is just one example of the fucked up shit governments have done to their people, not only in this country, but in every country. Governments and the elites are not moral people. They do not exist And their job is not to make your life better. That's your job. You know whose job it is to make your life better? Yours. You know whose job it is to keep an eye on our elected officials, on the elites that rule over us? That's your job. Thomas Jefferson once said, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. What does eternal mean? vigilance mean it means being skeptical and checking and making sure that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing that have been elected to public office in a representative government eternally that means your job doing that never goes away if you want to be a a free citizen of a free society If you want to have uh, agency and uh, sovereignty, you better keep an eye on the people that you elect to make the big decisions for you. And if you don't, then you now deserve the fucked up bullshit that you're going to get because you failed in your duty to remain eternally vigilant. Because that is the price of freedom. So here we go. I'm going to say the same thing right now as I did in episode 10 of this podcast. If you are an active duty service member, if you are a reservist, if you're in the National Guard, and one day your superiors tell you, we have to go attack our own countrymen. For whatever fucking stupid bullshit reason, I don't give a fuck what the reason is. And you make the conscious decision to do so. You choose your path to carry out the bidding of the elites. And you don't lay down your arms in solidarity with your countrymen. Some of us will be coming for you. If we survive, we will devote our lives to ridding vermin like you from the fucking face of this earth. Because you deserve it. Just like if you don't start your quest and you don't get connected to the real world and you don't start participating in the fight to save what once was a free, sovereign society, again, you deserve what you're going to get. Know your enemy. And your enemy is the group of people that, one, you are not allowed to criticize, and two, would not think twice about eliminating you from the face of this earth should it fit their big club plan should it fit their agenda to depopulate their own countrymen from the world whose team you gonna join you gonna be a, a coward And you're going to betray your countrymen so that you can stay alive and stay employed by the big club? Or are you going to do what's right and turn your guns on the enemy? First enemy you got to conquer is yourself. Got to start your quest. As soon as you get pretty far along on your quest and you know what's going on and you know what your purpose is in this world... Now you can go fight 
your other enemy, the power and control that has always and might possibly always and forever control your life. The choice is yours. It's up to you. And obviously, all this stuff I'm talking about is <laughs> theoretical for entertainment purposes only. I'm not trying to start the violent revolution. I'm not trying to um, advocate for violence or become a fundamentalist, uh, you know, terrorist type. I'm not doing that. I'm not preaching that. All I'm saying is, if push ever came to shove on this topic, <laughs> you better make the right decisions. And you're not going to be able to make the right decisions if you don't start your quest. Okay? That's all I'm saying. That goes for literally everybody alive, walking around, breathing air in this world. It's got to start inside first. And if it, if it never starts, if that fire never gets lit within you, well, maybe you are an NPC. Lemming that has no choice but to obey and comply with your elitist overlords. Maybe your role in this world is to be a slave. I don't know. I mean, if that's what you want to be and that's the way you want your short life to go, then so be it. But if you want more, if you can see more, if you have the sight and the awareness, well, then maybe, just maybe, your destiny and your purpose in this realm is of higher importance than the average everyday person. Maybe your path has been more difficult in your life because the gods and the universe is preparing you for a big responsibility. I've always thought that this world, this physical realm is a test. And, you know, you will learn less. You will be presented with lessons and you will keep repeating those lessons until you learn them. And then once you've learned the lesson, now you get to move on. It's the same thing with, you know, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. We are condemned to never progress. We are condemned to never be able to make our lives better because we're too fucking stupid to get smart, to look at history, to wise up, to rise up, yada, yada, etc., etc. So if you're the type of person that sits around bitching and whining and complaining about how bad your life is with all your first world problems, without any concept of how bad other people in other parts of this world have it, they'd tr they would change uh, places with you in a heartbeat, in a second. They wouldn't even give it a second thought. They would jump at the opportunity to be you. And they, they would probably get on their hands and knees and pray to their God giving thanks for the opportunity. And, and I'm talking about the same opportunity that you have been handed simply because you were born in this country. How disgusting it is to see some of you, my fellow Americans, behave in the ways that you do. And if you were educated properly, if you were connected to your fellow men and women without any higher agendas trying to keep you separate, if the propaganda preached traditional values, masculinity and femininity, if it preached freedom and strong families and strong communities, and the building of a strong country, a strong nation, 
then maybe we would see better outcomes. But the fact that we don't, the fact that our status quo here in this country is not set up to develop human beings so that they can make fruitful use of their freedom should be the only proof and evidence and receipts that you need to know that the people in charge of this country do not give a fuck about you. And to continue to go pull the lever for these elitist politicians, to continue to think that if we get this other person in office, that things are going to change for the better is a stupid, ignorant belief based on nothing and cultivated by propaganda, mind control, and brainwashing tactics. Much like literally every other cultural, social belief, the engineering of public consent, the manufacturing of consent that goes on. You are so controlled, manipulated, propagandized, brainwashed, misled, deceived, and it's only getting worse. (laughs) So tick-tock, you better get to work. You better get off your ass and get busy learning, growing, and achieving before it's too late. People, it's time to play some punk rock. All right, people, welcome back to the show. It's time to play some punk rock. And before I play you the, the song selection for today, I'm going to read you the lyrics to the song. And I think this song themes up quite nicely with the show today. Here we go. Bleeding. Bleeding to my country. The mounting costs my freedoms lost. Death of Liberty. We live in a kingdom of reigns. The dogs of war rule the day. The the hypocrites roam in gangs. (laughs) The truth is lost. It's war's first casualty. Speak the truth if you've got something to say. To lead the boys off to war is to throw them away. Depleted rounds kill RU-238. These troubled times bringing on our darkest days. Is this the death of liberty? Is this the price that life has come to mean? All our friends now enemies. The misery of bleeding. Bleeding to my country, the mounting costs, my freedoms lost, the death of liberty. Tell the truth if you've got something to say. No blood for oil, killing fields, Halliburton money. (laughs) Wounded troops left to rot, no help from the VA. These troubled times bringing on. Our darkest days. Is this the death of liberty? Is this the price that life has come to mean? All our friends, now enemies. The misery of bleeding. Bleeding to my country. The mounting costs, my freedoms lost. The death of liberty. Speak the truth or throw it away. This is the death of liberty. This is the price that life has come to mean. All our friends, now enemies. The misery of bleeding. Bleeding to my country. The mounting costs. 
my freedoms lost. The death of liberty. Ladies and gentlemen, making their return to the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Here's Ignite with their song, Bleeding. Right, people, that was the song Bleeding from the 2006 release by Ignite entitled Our Darkest Days. And that track was with their original singer. Uh, they got a new singer now. They're on tour. They're a fantastic punk rock band. So go check out Ignite, people. Uh, that's the show, but before I go, um, you know, a lot of people uh, like to misconstrue the things that I talk about on this podcast. That's fine. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to uh, misinterpret things. Uh, communication uh, can be difficult uh, from time to time. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to do what I say. I'm not asking you to think like I think or believe what I believe. I'm here in this chair behind this microphone every week trying to excite you, trying to inform you, trying to light that fire within you. William Butler Yeats once said, education is not the filling of a pail. It is the lighting of a fire. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to light the fire within you so that you, can find the courage to get better, stronger, smarter, to become more aware, more connected, more cooperative, more pragmatic. Because there's a brave, new, Orwellian surveillance, police state, totalitarian dictatorship world order that is upon us, it's coming. And do you want to get swept up in it and get plugged into the matrix and be dominated and controlled even more so forever for the rest of your life and for the rest of your children's lives? Do you want to subject your children to that kind of a world? You want to be punk rock people? You want to know what punk rock means 
what it embodies. Punk rock is an attitude. It is a way of thinking. It is a belief system that says, and I know this is going to be debatable, so I guess I'll just say in my humble opinion, punk rock can be summed up in one little quote. And I'm kind of going to channel Howard Zinn here when I read this. This is a quote from Oscar Wilde. Disobedience in the eyes of anyone who has read history is man's original virtue. Disobedience is man's original virtue. It is through disobedience and rebellion that progress has been made. I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Good night. We'll see you next time. This has been episode 175 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast entitled Punk's Not Dead It's Just Changed We'll see you next time Listen to anyone Everybody's full of shit Nobody knows uh, uh, you or what you're capable of doing And here's the reality when you, The hardest thing in life is figuring out who you are and what you want to do for the rest of your life. It's a big decision. And once you figure that out, you wake up every day and you work toward it. That's what you do. It's impossible for you to fail if you know who you are, what you want to do, and you wake up every day and work toward it.